Good morning, WFR. Good to see everyone today. Good morning to those that are uh, watching live stream. We're glad to have you on board too. And uh, just uh, got a great, great day to be together. Uh, you know, the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. And so I want to do a little bit of that before I get into my lesson. Uh, I know that the uh, uh, Duck Commander 500 took place yesterday. And at that, there was uh, uh, Corey and Willie did it, uh, dedicating that to a, awareness of adoption. You know, if we're going to be pro-life, we have, we need to be pro-life all the way, right? And so, uh, Willie, uh, Corey, are, are y'all here? One of you here. Stand up there, Will, uh, Willie. Thank you so much for making everybody aware of that. And by the way, Will sung the national anthem. So that's great. We'll expect you to show up for next practice on the worship team. We've got to keep recruiting them, you know. Uh, it's good to see everybody. Thanks again for, for all you, all you do there, Willie. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. We're in a series. This series is about favorite verses. And so, uh, we collected favorite verses for many of you. You sent those in. And so we've tried to handle those and share with you about these verses and, and find out really, uh, uh, how much meat there is on some of these things. And this one, particular verse, uh, is Philippians 4, 13. Uh, typically it reads, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's usually the version that's, you know, painted under Tebow's eyes at the football game and those kinds of things that people hold signs up and that kind of thing. Uh, this particular version, NIV, I, it's one time I really do like the new NIV, says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so this verse gets used for a lot of reasons, you know. And and I, and look, I, I understand, most of you understand the, the context to some degree of the verse. Obviously the verse doesn't say I can do everything I want to do. Through Christ who gives me strength, you know. I mean, it's not like the, the guys in the weight room and the one guy's lifting weights and he can't quite get it up and his friend's saying, come on, you can do all things through Christ, you know. Well, if that's true, add a hundred pounds on there, right? It doesn't quite work that way. It does have a context around it and it has some really good stuff, I think more deep things to say to us than we even uh, realize when we use it kind of just uh, quickly as a devotional type verse. Uh, Paul writes this book of Philippians. In the first chapter, he says, you've got to have a Savior-centered life. And for me to live is Christ to die is a game. In the second chapter, he says, you have to have a, a self-emptying life, like that of Jesus who emptied himself and came. And you can shine like stars in the universe. And, and, and you can press on to the goal. And so Paul's writing all these positive things. Chapter 4, the first few verses, he writes about, about uh, having unity, uh, correcting these women or having a problem with one another. And how that you can have this peace that passes understanding and, and correct your thinking. Think on these things that are holy and that are pure, that are godly. And he has that, all, all those kinds of things to point us in the right positive. Now remember, where is he when he's writing this book of joy? Anybody remember? Prison. He's in prison when he's writing these. And yet he's learned to have this, uh, this consistent joy and contentment as he's in all these kinds of situations. And so look, he's, he's, I love Paul. He's one of the most positive guys you'll ever meet, you know? Because, I mean, he's writing these challenges and all these situations and yet pointing us in the right direction of where we can get strength. And, and you know, we can use, uh, it's a good thing, we can use more people with a positive attitude, Right? It's like the little boy that came in to his dad and he said, Dad, I'm afraid I got an F in math. And he said, Come on, son, be positive. He said, I'm positive I got an F in math. <laughs> well, you know, 
You do need to be positive about something, right? And so Paul writes this, and he has that kind of heart and that kind of spirit about him. And let's just start reading and looking through and talk about this section of Scripture together. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Now, he's already, remember, the theme of this book is joy and rejoicing anyway. Now, this is the first time he adds the word greatly onto it. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. The word concern is the word minded. That, you, that he was on their mind, that, that the Philippians, they had him on their mind all the time. And so that's the, that's the idea. And this idea of renewed your concern, it, it's not that they weren't thinking about him before, but now all of a sudden they have opportunity to help, help him again because they ran out of that opportunity for whatever reason. The idea of this renewed, I want you to get the picture that's painted here with the words that he actually uses in the original. It's, it means a plant or a flower that all of a sudden blooms and you see the beauty of it. That's the renewing, blooming idea here. It's the idea that uh, they had him in mind and they wanted to offer something in a beautiful way to him. And so now when they have the opportunity, they didn't have it before, but now that they've got it again, now they can offer this thing again to him, something that's just beautiful that will bless his life. That's the picture he paints. Now, he doesn't want them to get the wrong idea about it. He doesn't want them to think that he has any particular needs. He says this, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. Now, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, Paul is not pacing up and down in his cell, checking to see if he gets mail every day, all worried and anxious about when are the Philippians going to help him again. Remember, he's writing, he's got joy, he's got consistent contentment. Now, contentment is not a gift. Contentment is something that's learned, and guess what? That means all of us can learn it, and all of us can have this thing. And Paul understood this, uh, this underground. Look, we're not talking about contentment the way the world looked at it during Paul's time because the, the Stoics had this idea of contentment was you never showed emotion even when you had good things. You didn't have, you didn't, you didn't have this joyous elation stop. It didn't happen. You didn't express yourself. You just stayed steady and stoic. And even when you had terrible disasters happen to you, you didn't show emotion there. You just kept the line. That was their idea of contentment. Christianity's idea of contentment is something totally different. You have those moments of great joy and celebration, and you also have moments when you're in despair and you're crying with people and you're hurting with people, yet undergirding all that is a consistent satisfaction that you know, since you're connected to Christ, He'll take you through the whole thing. And look, that becomes a huge testimony. To people in the world. I love that our family, even though you've lost, many of you have lost everything in the flood, the way you have responded with your heart and attitude, you have been a consistent, contented person in terms of knowing God's taking care of you. And that's been a testimony to our community. What a great blessing you are. What a great blessing you are. That's what this verse is talking about. Remember Paul said, look, I know what it is to, to, to be poor and not have anything. I'll tell you what, 
I used to think I knew what that was like until I made my first trip to Africa. And I see those five and six-year-old boys carrying those pails of water on top of their head and those girls carrying them firewood and all just for one day effort to try to have something to eat. I thought, you know what? I don't have any needs. I'm around very, very few poor people. Really. You drive a car around here and you have something to eat and, and, and uh, just every few days and you have a place to go every few days, you're still richer than 98% of the people in the world. Got it? There are no poor people in this room. So, Mike, you don't know my situation. I know what country you live in. And I know what's available to all of us. And then there's the idea of having plenty. I'll tell you, I really think sometimes it's much harder to be content when you are prosperous, it's much more difficult for us to be content than it is some of the brothers and sisters I've met over in, in, in Ghana and other places in Africa who have a great spirit of contentment about them. In our having plenty, it becomes a difficulty because I've got to figure out what to do with all my stuff and everybody who's after my stuff and how to help in the best possible way and what's my responsibility to God and my fellow man. And all That becomes a very, very big burden in all the ways. And look, I understand, right? You, we're, we're all ready. I had plenty growing up. I knew that because I have the, all my family sat around the table. We get, we would eat. And when I would reach for that second piece of chicken, my dad would say, "Son, you had plenty." <laughs> Got it? We've all had plenty. We really have. The other day, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I think I'd paid for his coffee or something, you know, down at the place where I eat. So he's like, Mike, I don't like all those TV preachers. They're always asking for your money on TV every time you turn on. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not like that. If you'll just come down to our church, I'll ask for it in person. <laughs> he laughed. He said, but really, he said, he's talking about, well, I don't know, you know, how do you know what they, how they take out that money, what they do with that contribution? I said, well, I don't know, but I heard a couple of them talking about it the other day. And one guy said he draws a real small circle, he stands in it, and he takes all the money the church gives and he throws it up in the air. And whatever lands in the small circle is God's and whatever lands outside is his. And his buddy said, well, look, when I do that, I do kind of the same thing. I draw a huge circle. I throw up all the money, whatever lands in the circle is mine, whatever's outside the circle is God's. I told him, I said, look, I have a little different way. I take the contribution, I give it all up, I throw it all up in the air, and whatever the Lord wants, he keeps, and whatever he doesn't, I... Nah, that's not how that works. Some of you are like, can I get my check back? Uh... We have plenty, don't we? What a blessing it is. But sometimes we're not content, and here's why. We fall in the if-only group. Well, if only I had so-and-so's money, I could do all these great things. If only I had his education, I could do this. If, I, if only I had this opportunity, if, 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 if I only had his mom and dad, I could do this. No, 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 you wouldn't do it. If you're not using what you have now, you're not going to use what somebody else would give you, you see. So the contentment and the action to live for God is in the circumstance we are in. Paul said, I've learned to be content. He said, I have joy, I have contentment, and I have strength. What a blessing. That spirit of contentment. Now look, 
people who aren't content, they're not fun to be around, are they? They're always miserable. They're always, even if they do have stuff, they're all worried about it all the time. And look, they, they, they flood out their misery and, and their frustrations right into your life. And they want to make their messes your messes. And they influence and they frustrate. Now, they're, not, they're no fun to be around. God's people should not be that way. It's a poor testimony of who we are. Paul said, I've learned to be content. He said, I got it down. Why? Well, I like the way one version says that this reads this last verse here that everybody claims on the favorite part. For everything, I am strong in connection with him who empowers me. There's two words for strength in this Bible verse. I can do is one word in the Greek. And it means able or strengthened to. And so what Paul is saying is, I have the strength. I have the strength. I'm able to do this, to live this way in any situation, any circumstance. And be content. Because I'm connected. The word in there, or word through in this text, is that word that there's a connection, there's a union with him. The word Christ actually isn't in the text. With him who gives me strength. Now this strength word is a different word. It's where we, it's a form of the word dunamis where we get the word power about where, you know, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's that word. And so I have the strength and ability because I am connected to the one who gives me the power to live in any situation for him. That's what he's saying. That's what you have as God's child. Now, see, you've got to learn this thing of contentment, and I have to learn it. Here's why. We need to learn to be joyful. We need to learn to have contentment in our life. We don't need to be miserable people. Look, here's the problem if you're not content. You're the one person you can never get away from. You ever thought about it? You're it. You can't leave the room without taking yourself with you. And so if you're unhappy and you're miserable and you don't have any contentment in Christ, look, the correcting of that is an inside job. You've got to get that connection with Jesus Christ who will empower you to be able to live no matter what circumstance comes your way and still be happy. Now look, don't misplace Contentment is, does not mean complacency. You can have goals, you can have success, you can have things you reach for and grab for and still be content the whole time whether you reach or grab, get those things or not. You see, selfishness destroys contentment. Pride destroys contentment. Looking at myself as being better than someone else will, con- will destroy contentment because there's always others you're looking at and wanting their stuff, Right? You can have this consistent satisfaction in Christ whether you have much or whether you have nothing, Paul says. Now look, in America we have this thing of goal setting and reaching and making success in education or in money and all those things. And I'm glad. Go use your abilities 
and enjoy all the blessings God brings your way. But that's a Western idea. You understand that's not a Bible idea. You can be totally content and happy doing the lowest paying job in town and still fulfill what Christ wants you to fulfill as a successful person because you are satisfied in Christ. We're not satisfied in the kingdom in terms of winning people. We're going to keep getting all we can get till the Lord comes again, right? But we're not frustrated with that. God builds His kingdom. Christ builds His church. We are just going to be content people, satisfied with our relationship. That when, it, when He gives me a whole bunch, I'm glad I'll use it for Him. And when I don't have anything, I can still be content. Now look, I'm just like the next guy uh, uh, about money. Look, there's been times that I hadn't had hardly any money. And there's been times that I've had some money. And all things equal, I'd rather have it. I mean, how about you? Why? You can do so many good things in serving and helping and accomplishing stuff for the kingdom. But look, it's not that success is not what brings me contentment. That comes out of a connection and union with one called Jesus Christ who empowers me to have this layer of joy and satisfaction no matter what the circumstances are going on around me. And what a great blessing that is. And what a great testimony it becomes to our community and to the world around us when we all of a sudden realize, I can do all this. I can do this through Him who gives me strength. I can get the doctor call. I can get the bad news. I can get it. And it'll hurt. And it'll be sorry. And I, I can get those. But underneath it, I can still have a contentment that, you know what? God, God's going to take me on this part of the journey. He'll stay with me. He really will. He will empower me to handle whatever circumstances I'm in. Now, the one thing is, if you're not connected to Him, you don't have the power to handle it. So my challenge to us today is, one, if you've not named Jesus as Lord of your life, then walk down this aisle at the invitation song and do so. Because, boy, get connected to the one. We always tend to think our situations are worse than someone else's, right? Horatio Spofford in the 1800s was a very successful lawyer. Had also owned a lot of real estate there in Chicago. And during the great Chicago fire, he lost everything he had. Him and his wife Anna and their four daughters lived there. And for the next two years after the fire, Horatio and his wife served and volunteered in the community to help them through this disaster. After a couple of years and they needed a break, so they decided they were going to go on this trip over to Europe. And so at the last minute, he had to stay and do some work. And so he put his wife, Anna, and his four daughters on that ship and they sailed off. Well, there was a collision of two ships. And he got a telegram. His wife was one of, I think, 20-something people that survived out of the hundreds. And she simply said, saved alone. His daughter's had been lost. So he boards that ship and heads across that ocean which had become the grave of his kids 
to go to his wife, full of grief but still full of God. And while on that ship, took his pen and his paper and he wrote this. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, circumstance, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Now you know why that last verse, he must have been as excited as he penned those words. And Lord, haste that day. When the face shall be sight, the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea bellows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin of the blessed. Of this glorious star, my sin not in part, but the heart is nailed to the That's what this next verse is giving you the opportunity to do as our invitation.